Ready for the interview And if you get a cue Live on the laptop Watch what I'm gonna do Welcome to the show Let them know we got a point of view Hey, yo Let's have a combo Say what you feel Be real, that's the motto Real talk, pronto Doctor D, PhD Hit the intro Hold up, wait Gotta be social Network global Home for the locals Gotta be social Network global Home for the locals all right, we're here with Ethan Decker, and uh, Ethan, the shirt is amazing. It just Thank is. Thank <laughs> if you watch this on video, you'll see what I mean. I'm not going to tell you on audio what it is. You got to watch the video, too. How's your day going, Ethan? Uh, my day is blessed so far. That's beautiful. Yeah. That's beautiful. Where are you? Where are you located? Uh, I'm in Boulder, Colorado. Oh, so beautiful. Yeah, it's it's hard to do better. I have traveled the world for fun and for work and everywhere I go, I enjoy it. I love seeing new places, but I have had a really hard time trying to beat Boulder for a place that, you know, my, my family wants to live. I mean, I was just there like a couple months ago in Boulder and uh, yeah. what, a, what a nice place. We were doing kind of a big tour of Colorado Oh, great. And uh, so we were like in Colorado Springs, Fort Collins, Boulder, mm -hmm. just kind of going around. It was it was all beautiful. It was really amazing. Did you mostly stay there on, on what they call the front range? Uh, or did you get up into the mountains? No, it was it was mainly the front range. We didn't get up into the mountains. It was kind of our first stab at it. You know, it's like, great. let's just great. go and then we'll definitely be coming back. Colorado's beautiful. It's amazing. Yeah, what a place. Seriously. A lot to see. Yeah, definitely a lot to see. So we got hooked up through, I might get this on through Aisla. Is that correct? How we got hooked up? Yes, through Aisla. Yes, did it. And uh, how do you know her? How did you guys connect? She and my wife used to work together at a small nonprofit social justice innovation theater company in Boulder. Okay, that's a lot of words. I mean, I know, I know. <laughs> uh, these things exist. It's a, a theater that was developed by uh, Kirsten Wilson to explore important social topics via the transformative power of theater. And Isla and Kim both worked in that organization together. There might have been something that goes even further back, but I don't remember. Yeah, you know, <laughs> well, it's, it's wonderful. Whenever she refers people to me, I always love it because it's always awesome people. She's and, a great person and a great connector. Yes, yes, for sure. And I was fascinated by like when she connected me with you and your background is, is very fascinating. It seems like you've, you started kind of one way, but you're kind of shifting to other things. Let's, let's talk about you. How did this journey of Ethan Decker begin? I mean, I have shifted gears quite a few times. Uh, when I was really young, people used to joke, I, they would call me ETV because I would basically be doing the little white boy version of Michael Jackson, <laughs> singing, and I was in musical theater. So mm -hmm. very much in a performance. I got into theater heavily in middle school and high school and even wrote some stuff for some local productions. And, and then uh, in college, I got really much more politically involved. I went to Oberlin College in Ohio, and it's one of the first uh, mainstream or white schools in America that admitted Blacks, and first mainstream or male schools that admitted women. 
so it was fairly progressive. It's always had a progressive stint and the student body is incredibly politically active. So I got really involved in politics and identity politics and sociology. So I studied sociology there. Uh, and by the end of it, I felt like anybody could make up any theory they wanted and find <laughs> evidence they wanted. <laughs> so I, I switched gears uh, pretty heavily and got into uh, ecology and hard mm. science, which is a misnomer because the hardest yeah. science of all are the, the social ones. Yeah. Uh, as one, one guy says, um, when, you, when you try and... Uh, study jet fuel, jet fuel doesn't change its behavior based on how it's feeling that day <laughs> or, or based on, on what other jet fuel is thinking, but humans do. So it's easier to land a rocket on, on Mars sometimes than it is to try and actually um, help young uh, children get through the educational system. Right. Let's say. Yeah. So, uh, so I switched gears and got into science and became uh, an ecologist and did a, a PhD in urban ecology and studied hardcore weird things like fractals and complexity. And I started to butt up against my limits of my ability and interest when it came to computer programming or statistics. I was good, but I just, I never was fluent. You know, I, I had restaurant level Statistics. I like that restaurant level. That's good. <laughs> yeah, I can, I can order things off the menu. Yeah. I have a conversation with the waiter. And, and then I realized I, I really did have a bigger interest in culture and uh, identity and creativity. So I became an editor of a magazine with an old high school buddy of mine. And uh, I was supposed to be the publisher as well as the editor. The editor does all of the thinking and content and the publisher is supposed to do all the business side and I learned quickly I'm a crap publisher. <laughs> so we sank the magazine and looking around for things to do. I, I met someone during fancy pants skate night in Boulder. And yes, I had to wear fancy pants okay. to get Okay. Okay. But uh Holly introduced me to someone else who introduced me to someone else. Next thing you know, I'm doing market research globally and got into market research and marketing. And uh it was a slippery slope from there to get into advertising. And that's where I've spent the last 20 years is marketing and advertising and branding. So how have, there's de definitely a lot of shifting for sure. Mm -hmm. So how has each of those experiences influenced your current work in advertising market research? They come together surprisingly well, surprisingly well. The, the deepest current, which might just be, I'm a bit of a performer and I like to be on stage and I like to be a camp counselor and camp director. As, as uh, I think Rory Sutherland said, 30% of advertising should be considered the B2B entertainment industry mm. because we're entertaining our clients. Right. We're, we're giving them a, a bright spot in their day between talking about supply chain issues in Singapore. And so, uh, so, I bring a lot of fun and energy and entertainment to what I do, which turns out is really helpful if you want people to change their mind or mm. to be open to new things. Because when people are nervous, they get clenched. And when they get clenched, they close up. And when they close up, they don't, they don't change. So my goofiness and silliness and entertainment is, is a really 
big thick sugar coating on the pill of brand science that I, <laughs> yeah. Brand science. Can you explain that? I think for our audience, what does that term mean? Brand science. Brand science is essentially taking a scientific approach to how buyers buy, how brands grow and how advertising works really simply. There's a lot of nuance in there, but, uh, in the business world, you know, there are lots of charlatans and there are lots sure. of promoters. Yes. Uh, and the notion of snake oil goes back hundreds of years and snake <laughs> oil salesmen. That's right. So uh, the same is true if you even look at how people think advertising works. There are people writing popular books all the time that you should uh, you should find your why or start with why or that there are love marks that you should become or... Um, you know, you should have a purpose-driven brand. And some of these things have evidence, but uh, to get to the real level of science takes a lot more work. It's a really tall hill to climb. And a lot of these, these theories don't make it up to the top. So as a, a PhD scientist getting into advertising, I was like, what is all this crap? <laughs> Where's the truth? Where's the bedrock? Right. The, the bedrock we can really stand on. So I, I dug a lot deeper into the scientific literature, into the research that's being done in the industry to say what really is true about brands. And there is stuff there. There is a there there. There is a foundation to stand on. And that's brand science. And the tricky part is getting it out of academia, mm. out of the world of arcane and make it easy and simple and useful. And so that's what I do. I help people apply the brand science to their companies. That is awesome. I guess I feel like a, I've dealt with academia a lot in my life is over time. And I feel like there's, it's one thing to talk the jargon, the language with other academics, but mm -hmm. then there's a disconnect between the public who not going to read a white paper, probably. And it's like, <laughs> really? they're not really? reading it, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. Like what's yeah. going on? They want to know what's going on. <laughs> like, yeah, there's a huge disconnect. I mean, academia has its own language and right. the, the longer the word, the better, frankly. <laughs> exactly. Epistemological pedagogy, right? Yes. yes. They get up on that because they want to get really, really, really precise about things. So they make up longer and longer words to do that. Uh, and then academia also has different currency. What yeah. they really care about most in many places, not everywhere, but generally speaking, academia cares about publishing. That's the currency of right. academia. And so they care a little less about application, about communication, about sharing. Yeah. That's where I, I fit in. So you mentioned the snake oil salesman. Why has that persisted over hundreds and hundreds of years so effectively? Because it's true, because people are constantly <laughs> trying to make a buck, because uh, humans, I think, are are opportunists. Mm. We talk a lot about human nature and uh, is are humans inherently good or inherently evil, etc. Um, but humans are kind of inherently opportunists. Mm. They will be good or evil depending upon what works best. And uh, the same is true with cooperation and competition. The same is true with building up trust with your consumers versus fleecing them. 
that we are opportunistic. Here's a great example. Um, so Darian, you said you were on vacation recently. Yes. Colorado. You got it. Do you, do, did you go into any tourist traps? Uh, and maybe not in Colorado, but maybe a beach resort somewhere as a class. Yeah. I mean, I went, to, I don't know. This, I mean, I went to the cave of the winds. Okay. Uh, which seemed very touristy in Colorado Springs. I mean, it yeah. looked like a very touristy type of thing, you know? Yeah. So you go to the Cave of the Winds and they're going to serve you some food at the restaurant there. Right. And it might be terrible food because they know you're a tourist and you're never coming back. <laughs> and yeah, you might leave a bad Yelp review, but it's in their interest to cut all the costs they can and mm. basically serve you snake oil because you're going to be gone. Right. Whereas, um, do you have a local restaurant you love? Near yeah, house? yeah, definitely have a low. It's called like, it's Drayton Harbor Oyster Company. It's amazing. Yeah. Nice, nice. And do they have a lot of repeat customers? All from- repeat customers, primarily. Yeah. Because they're locals. Because they're, they're locals. Yeah. In the neighborhood. Yes. So, so if they tried to fleece you all, they would quickly be shut down. Because mm. word would spread, none of you would return. Right. And they have tourists coming in by the, the bus load to, to take advantage of. Right. So, you know, if, if people can do the snake oil thing because it benefits them, sadly, they often do. But yeah. if they need to create a really beautiful oyster bar and restaurant to sustain themselves, then they'll put in the effort and do that. Yeah. 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 Okay. So <laughs> this probably is going to sound funny me saying this, but. Because I think a business, where, where does the ethical threshold happen in this? Uh, you're laughing. I know. <laughs> it's like, what's the, where, where is the yeah. ethic? Oh, okay. Maybe it's a bad question. <laughs> oh, it's a great question. Um, it's a great question because, again, we're all prone to it. Right. We're all, uh, someone else, um, I want to say it was Dave Trott, but I think I'm misquoting. Uh, everybody hates advertising. Oh, Droga. Pretty sure it was David Droger. Everybody hates advertising until they want to find their cat. Mm. And, or until they want to sell their house. So imagine wanting to sell your house. We all have ethical questions about how we present our house. Yes. Or even yourself, if you're going for a job interview and you want to, you know, sell yourself to your employer, how much do you tell them about your past? And maybe you have a colorful past. Mm. So it's human nature to, Try and want to paint yourself in good light if you're trying to sell something. Uh, the The problem is that there are often huge industries or chunks of industries or cuts or slices of industries where the motives or the the um, the incentives don't line up great with ethics. So that's when you get the Bernie Madoffs, and that's right. when you get the the subprime mortgage thing. I don't know if you remember. Um, I do remember that. Yes. Yeah. And that was because all the middlemen kept getting cuts. You could get a $10,000 commission for a couple days of work. Yeah. Flipping a subprime mortgage to a family who could absolutely not afford it. Right. So yeah, go for the quick money. So there's, there's just a lot of opportunity to take advantage of each other in the world. And a lot of humans still do. It's a shame. Do you think that's something that would ever change? Or you think that's just so hard line? into people yeah um the way i see it coming from my evolutionary Mm -hmm. college approach is that a lot of it's still 
hardwired. It's still in our hardware, not our software. Our yeah. DNA. Yes. And, and so we are these opportunists who cooperate when it's useful and we compete when it's useful. We are trustworthy when it's useful and we fleece <laughs> others when it's useful. And if the environment changes enough, then the jerks will hopefully be eliminated, be bred out of the population. So mm. You know, so that's really, that's really when the biggest shifts happen is when the, the system changes and those old behaviors no longer work and they just die off. What's that's- a good example of that? Like that we have like ten, that, like, you know, what's funny. I don't think this is completely happened, but remember when like people used to smoke cigarettes like crazy and all like all of a sudden there is a societal shift and you didn't see that as much. Is that kind of the same thing we're talking about or something more yeah. extreme? No, no, that's that's absolutely in in the zone. Um, the so here's another good example. You're right. Is um, recently with all the mask mandates yeah. or vaccine mandates, uh, people are, you know, yes and no and have their own opinions. But right. when uh, in France, when the prime minister said, you can't go to a restaurant unless you're vaccinated. Boom. Vaccine rates went through the roof. Right. <laughs> the environment changed. So the behavior changed. Similarly, when uh, all the indoor restaurants in America stopped saying you could smoke indoors. Yeah. Boom. Suddenly the behavior changed. So yeah, that's, you have to look for the ways those in env- the environment changes and then things die off. So in a, in a physical way, uh, I don't know if you've got wisdom teeth or have had them removed. I've had them removed. Yeah. That's because our jaws are getting smaller and smaller because we don't need to chew right. bark anymore. Right. So the environment has changed. It's become a, a softer, easier <laughs> environment for us. So those big, big, expensive teeth, uh, we don't need those anymore. So yeah. people have those big, expensive, costly, energy-intensive teeth, they're starting to die off and our teeth yeah. are, are getting smaller. How yeah. do brands how do brands play a role in like shifting the environmental kind of landscape to change behavior? Huh. That's interesting because brands often respond to the environment more than they right. Right? Yes. So um so when, when for some reason uh, it's, we see more ecological or sustainability regulations show up, yeah. brands then jump on that and respond to that. And then you see, man, Coca-Cola, which also owns Dasani, the biggest, I think it's the, the biggest water company, water brand, Coke and Dasani currently have bottles that literally say 100% recycled plastic as big as the logo that's a lot of real estate on that is to devote to a sustainability message so they are responding to some pressures that they're feeling and they might help create a slightly different environment too i think brands often overstate how much they can influence culture (laughs) it's rare for brands to do that um but uh but they certainly do react to changes in the environment too what about like uh like Apple? Is that an example maybe of a company that shifted communication or use? You know, I'm thinking of trying to think of like what has changed human behavior. Like the phone is like 
explosive change in human. Oh, absolutely. Having, having the whole universe of human knowledge and connection in your pocket, it's insane. It's like it Star insane. Trek. Um, it is. Yeah, that, that has totally changed the environment for us. Yeah. Um, uh, you can't pin it on Apple because they all the technology was lying there. On right. And to some extent, they were the first ones to put it together into mm. one iPhone. I mean, BlackBerry was already doing it, but it yeah. wasn't smooth. Um, so, and that's true with a lot of innovation is that 10 or 20 different organizations see the same thing at the same time. And then it's a race to see who made the first light bulb, Thomas Edison. Right, right. 20 other light bulbs being patented at the same time. So, um, but Apple, they took off the buttons. They made it sexy. They yeah. made the, the music player a forefront piece so they did they pushed it a little further than most other companies for sure but you're right the 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 cell phone has completely revolutionized the environment how was it it made me start made me thinking of like you mentioned about like truth and advertising stuff what is a truth in advertising now that may not be a truth in advertising in the future You mean a truth about advertising and how ads work? Or yeah, you... maybe on that. Let's start with that. Yeah. Okay. Um, huh. So the way I usually approach it is how do ads work to sell product? Okay. And so um, companies want to know, do, do people even need to consciously notice the ad or is it good enough to have Coca-Cola on the bus that goes by? And you just kind of take it in via osmosis. Okay. Right? Um, well, it turns out that ads work better if we consciously notice them and recognize them. Because later on, when we're thirsty, we need to think of something to order. And Coca-Cola, if it's if you consciously saw that ad, there's a slightly higher chance that you'll remember Coca-Cola. Mm. It's time to buy something. Um, uh, I think the best example of that lately, because it's been a revolution in it, is uh, insurance companies. Huh. I'll bet you can name a bunch of insurance companies. Sure. I may mean, see a bunch of ads about it all the time. <laughs> like, I'll, I'll bet you can describe those companies. Like, so, well, uh, sure, the State Farm. I mean, how many commercials, State Farm, Geico, all this stuff. It's like, and then you yeah. get, they keep running different ads of the same thing. And then you have endorsers and all this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Like if I say flow. Of course. Yeah. How many flow ad- advertisements have you there been? What brand is that? Listen, is, that's, uh, oh my gosh, that's terrible. I was, why did I start thinking Aflac when I started? <laughs> oh, you, know, you know what Aflac's mascot is, right? I, I do. I do. Like, I don't know why I thought Aflac though, when I, but I see the flow commercial and I'm like, okay, I see all the different versions of flow now. Uh-huh. And stuff. And, yep. Yeah. But and I remember her. I don't necessarily remember like, I don't know why I don't remember the actual thing. I remember her. Yeah, she's interesting. That's why. Yeah. She's visual and she's got the white apron. Yeah. Is, white something. Sure. She's got some red or blue. Um, they they do that because they're trying to find a, a home in your brain, make a space mm. in your brain so that when you think, oh man, I need to get insurance because now I'm a homeowner. What's yeah. homeowner insurance look like? Then you'll think, oh, flow. So I got to go check out whatever that brand yeah. is. Yeah. 
And if you're lucky, if they're lucky, you remember flow is progressive. Right. And at least, you know, flow is not Geico. No. Because Geico is the gecko. I mean, it's a gecko. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. you're right. There's so many. There's so many of them. And then there's what? Uh, America's American Farmers Insurance. Uh-huh. Something like that. I remember that because of the actor yeah. on there. Uh, J.K. Simons, I think. I see him all the time. Yeah. Like, it totally, you're right. <laughs> and what's, what's tricky is these companies have billions of dollars to spend. And even now you and I are still hard pressed to remember precisely which company has which mascot. Yeah. And even more what they actually do different. Like, (laughs) I don't know if progressive is any better than Geico. I don't know either. (laughs) Right. So, so uh, I think that one thing that's true about advertising is that advertising is, is, and I think this is going to stay true and remain true. One of the keys for advertising is to try and make a home for that brand in your brain. And our brains are lazy and our brains are leaky. That's what I call it because I'm a, you know, dorky camp counselor of a, <laughs> a brand scientist. The, the science would say we are cognitive misers and that we have oh. system one and system two thinking. Right. But that's, that's for, you know, yeah, us, the academics. That's right. But it means our brains are lazy. I don't really want to think about insurance if I don't have to. And our brains are leaky, which is if I think fondly of flow, I will think fondly of progressive insurance. Right. Whether or not, or, or you you like that uh, actor. What did you say his name was? Uh, yeah, J.K. Simons, I think. J.K. Yeah. Simons. Yeah. So you like Simons. I do, yeah. And therefore, you might feel more fondly towards farmers. Right. Whether it's good or not. <laughs> Whether I, know, I don't even know if it's good. But that, and that's how the, the buying brain and just frankly, the human brain works. Yeah. Our are lazy. We don't really want to do the thinking. Yeah. And our brains are leaky, which is if we have a good feeling about this and it's related to that, then we have a good feeling about that too. Right. I don't think that's going to change. That's pretty. It's going to be pretty standard. What do you think will change though? Is there anything on the horizon that you sense or foresee? You know, uh, what I, what does change a lot is the details of the game of media, for mm. instance. Um, so media is quite simply a trade-off between interest and ad space, right? And this is as old as radio and as old as TV. The first TV programs really were developed to keep your interest so that during the breaks, they could show you an advertisement. Right. It was actually to, to sell ad space. Same thing with um, Instagram or I don't know. Are you on any social media? Just on LinkedIn. That's it, actually. I don't okay. do anything else. No. All right. All right. But you know how they work. I know right? how it works. Yeah. Yeah. And LinkedIn <laughs> is kind of there, too, because there will be sponsored and promoted sure. posts on LinkedIn. now. Yeah. So um, there's this old phrase. If you are not paying for the product, then you are the thing that's being sold. Mm-hmm. Yep. So TV is that way, radio is that way, um, uh, Instagram and and Facebook and TikTok are that way, which is um, my eyeballs, my interest is being sold to advertisers and advertisers pay Facebook or Instagram or NBC or WKYZ um, to, uh, to get access to me 
so that they can show me ads. And that game shifts, that game changes uh, quite a bit, and especially with social media, especially with, um, with just the fact that we have a, we all have a, a supercomputer in our pocket now. Yeah. Uh, that game changes quite a lot. But uh, the fundamentals of buying and selling interest for ads doesn't or hasn't changed much. Yeah. People thought it would. There was a time, uh, I don't know if it was Seth Godin or someone who talked about permission marketing. Permission now that, marketing. Yeah, now that consumers are in control, brands are going to need permission to advertise and market to them. And eh, it did, didn't quite turn out that way. Yeah. Yeah. I think if brands are pretty good at understanding the psychology of human behavior, it's like, listen, if we get somebody to buy this, they're less, or like, say we have this monthly fee, they're less likely to opt out of it because they're just not going to do the work to yep. go in and cancel and change and comparatively shop. Yeah. A, a lot of brands figure it out. They figure that out. They do. And, and like hotels, all of them have figured out that we're too uh, sheepish as people, lazy to contest all of the extra fees. Same uh, thing with tickets. Have you, have yes. you been lately? Not lately, no. All right. Well, uh, Ticketmaster, of course, changed its name because everybody hated the fees that they would add. Mm. So they advertise a $70 ticket to go see Janelle Monet. Mm -hmm. And then you go to check out and it turns out it's $112. <laughs> And they know we're just too lazy to do anything about that. <laughs> it's crazy. That already got us hooked. So it's an open secret in the hotel world that you can just throw fees on there and at checkout, they just show up. So yeah, a lot of brands do know this. Um, and yet there are a lot of brands also or branding people who don't quite understand how fuzzy and lazy and leaky we are as consumers, you know, we are, as it says, cognitive misers. We're yeah. misers about using our brain power. Right. So a lot of um, clients I work with like to talk about educating consumers, oh. showing all the benefits and, <laughs> and getting all the, into the details of the yeah. specifications and how many megabips it works. And, right. You know, four micron filtration, but no one really is going to do that much thinking. No. Except your friend, you know, Bill, who happens to be a PhD engineer. Sure. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. Even like you see, like, it feels like some organizations make it hard for you to get out of things. Mm -hmm. So it's like, hey, the the delete your account button or whatever is like hidden in many pages to it feels like it to basically like you're not going to do this much work to get rid of this. You're going to give up because you're lazy. Basically, what if this what it feels like it's implying to me? Absolutely does. It's the yeah. same with the unsubscribe button at the bottom of my email. Okay. Um, it's small. It's the smallest button in the email. Uh, or if you go to, uh, you've booked a flight, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. recently. Of course. Yeah. The upgrade button is big and bright and red. <laughs> yeah. And the no thank you button is <laughs> tiny and small. And that's because being lazy uh, and being cognitive misers, we just kind of do whatever is in front of us and whatever seems easiest. Yeah. And so we're easy to steer that way. And brands do know this. So they do absolutely take advantage of it. And then as consumers, we resent them for that.
So what about this? I've, I've thought about this, this kind of newer aspect of like book now, pay later or buy now, pay later. That seems like that has become like in the last few years, a newer idea. I, I could be very wrong about this. I'm not sure. It just I see it pop up. I'm like, I'm not sure if this is good for a lot of people, actually. Terrible. Right. It's terrible. Yeah. And again, a lot of companies will do things that prey on our weaknesses. As right. And frankly, this is just the latest iteration of credit, oh, of consumer credit. Consumer right? credit. Because um, any responsible credit giving thing, like a bank, should gauge whether they want to take the risk on you and whether you are able to pay it back. But if you're predatory, and this is goes this goes back hundreds of years. Yeah. You give people credit, assuming they're going to default, and then you take everything. You destroy their life. And that's the mob, and that's banks, and that's um, credit card companies. And now the latest iteration is, is buy now, pay later. It makes the buying now part painless. <laughs> that's right. And, and we, don't, we don't plan that well. as Yeah. Like almost no species on the planet plans well. You know, squirrels hide nuts. That's pretty good. Yeah. And, and <laughs> not a lot of examples here. Yeah. Sea elephants uh, and and uh, seals eat a lot. So they build up blubber and fat. And yeah. Lean right. time. But otherwise, most most things on the planet don't plan very far in advance, including us. Yeah. So uh, these companies take advantage of it. Buy now, pay later. Man, it seems like, like you said, the less pain involved, the less thinking involved like if someone doesn't really have to like get out their wallet it's like let me take away these steps and yeah. one click buying one yes. click buying yes it's another example we could it's kind a, of this right absolutely absolutely amazon trademarked it because they knew it'd be good and in fact as a as a brand strategy guy i often tell clients your job is to make it easy for mm. people to think of you at all, to like you at all, and then to buy you. So make it easy for them to think of you, make it easy for them to buy you. You're right. One click buying is the ultimate example. It's the ultimate. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's, it's hard when that kind of stuff we know is preying on people. Yeah. Preying on children, preying on the weak, preying on the addicted. You don't want to make it easy. So, so that's when the so we as a society step up and say, no, we're not going to let children gamble because they right. spend all their parents' money. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, so what are the guardrails here? I mean, like, it feels like companies can just kind of operate and do things yeah. and prey on people's inherent kind of human condition aspect. Is there anyone that says, hey, this is not good as a brand or as a company and says we need to be different? Yep. Fortunately, there are. Fortunately, just like I said, there, there are competitive and, and sneaky, conniving jerks, mm -hmm. but there are also good people in the world and people with morals and ethics because it works. Yeah. So like your, your local oyster bar, they, the conditions are right for them to step up and do what's right. Mm. Uh, and we see that, A, when things come back to bite a company in the ass, they, they change their ways. Right when they have the foresight to realize it's in their self-interest to be good citizens. So we see that a lot where companies have social 
programs, CSR, corporate sustainable responsible, corporate social responsibility, CSR. Uh, it's pretty common. So a lot of companies okay. are run by decent people. And the decent people say the decent thing to do is be socially responsible, don't pollute, uh, don't bribe foreign governments, and don't accept bribes. You know, they, they do the right thing. Uh, and so there are lots of them out there. Absolutely. It's just what makes the news is when right. Wells Fargo cheats people. Or when, you remember when VW turns out their diesel engines were not that clean? Yes. Yeah. That was, uh, that's a good example of, okay, a company which slid into some pretty shady stuff. Yeah. And they got their hand slapped big time. But now uh, they've rebounded quite well. VW, I think, is the number one car maker in the world. Yeah. To know, like, just what you see potentially for the future mm-hmm. in advertisement, because it feels like we had a big shift with social media and all those things. Is there yeah. another shift that you're sensing or speculating about? Uh, yeah, there, there's one really big issue, and it's not resolved yet, which is um, the way that online advertising works right now mm-hmm. is um, predatory and cancerous. Okay. I hate to say it, but um, it, it preys on our weakness for scrolling. And um, so what you get actually is that all these feeds like Instagram and Facebook and TikTok, especially, they prey on our inability to turn it off Okay. in order to sell ad space. That's right. it. If, if Procter and & Gamble and, and Progressive Insurance decided they don't want to support that, then these companies would need to do something else. But these companies are raking in billions of dollars because advertisers want to put flow and, um, you know, tide yeah. in front of us. Yeah. So it, but it's predatory and it's terrible. And it's actually not only hurting individuals, I've got teenagers and they're devastated by social media, but uh, it's bad for society. Yeah. The, the science there is, is pretty right. Clear that it's bad. It's bad, man. <laughs> and so what I've been saying is uh, scrolling is the new smoking. Mm. And think of how long it's taken us to get our heads straight about smoking. Right. And we're not done. No. We're not done. Millions of people in America and billions around the world still smoke. It's true. Uh, and it's the same with sugar. We now know sugar is one of the biggest culprits as opposed yeah. to fat. And yet we have soda any, you know, within a stone's throw of anything you can buy. Um, So we have not defeated these demons because they're addictive and they're fun and they make lots and lots of money for people. So I think scrolling is the next one, but it's a demon. uh, And we're going to have to wrestle with that. And that's going to have to, it's going to be a big fight. I feel like it's a huge fight. How do I mean, like getting, some sort of handle on that feels very large to me. <laughs> like, yeah, it does. And that's, again, that I put it on the level of smoking and sugar. Yeah. Because these are things that are going to take decades that no, they're going to take generations, generations. Yeah. Resolve in the best way. I mean, it's amazing that the oxy oxycontin. Yeah. Oxycontin. Yeah. Hot. Is as as small relatively right. as it is. 
I mean, the fact that we're we're buckling down on that, that's that's pretty quick when it comes to that's how, true. how long these things usually take. Yeah, because that had a huge peak and then came like it was a big like the curve was steep and then it came back down. Yep. But then now it's like fighting fentanyl and all yep. this. It's like it's just repl- it feels like it just gets replaced with something else. Yeah, yeah. It feels a bit like whack-a-mole. Whack-a-mole. Yes, that's exactly what it feels like. Yeah. And again, that's because human nature yeah. is much slower. And that's right. And find all these things pleasurable and enjoyable and we also are addicted to them so that happens too yeah uh, and then and then as a group we come together and say you know maybe we shouldn't have lead in our paint right or maybe we shouldn't have lead in our water uh or you know what maybe children should not be allowed to smoke or drink alcohol right and so so as a society when we're level-headed we start to put these things into place to protect ourselves and our families yeah uh, and it's just an ongoing issue because there's always something new to to get excited about and addicted to. You said when society's level-headed, that's an interesting statement. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> well, I mean, the good laws happen when that when that's true. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like like a uh, consumer protection. Sure. Yes. The fact yes. that there's FDA approval and you can't inject random stuff into your your body, and and it it. Consumer protection laws were created to stop snake oil salesmen. Right. And selling right. snake oil that can literally hurt you or kill you. Yeah. So when society is level-headed, we come together and say, eh, let's not allow people to sell snake oil. Is society okay. mostly level-headed after something happens that causes a tragedy, you think? Yeah. Or like, where's the like proactive nature of being level-headed? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's a that's a really big question there, Darian. But I would say um, it usually is more reactive when yeah. society wakes up and says, oh, casinos, maybe not so great. Or, oh, smoking. Yeah, not so yeah. great. Or lead paint or asbestos. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, I guess we got to realize that's a bad thing. Yeah. And then and then we we do asbestos mitigation laws. Yeah. Um, which are costly and hard, you know, I mean, I don't know if you've ever had to deal with a house with asbestos in it, but no. it's a pain or even getting FDA approval for skin cream mm. or something like that, you know, approval that your product is safe. Yeah. It's hard work, but we put those hurdles in place when again, as a level-headed society, we say, yeah, we shouldn't be able to sell toxic skin cream. Right. It always yeah. just feels reactive, though. It's like, where is the, let's say, insertion of this thing into society, let's say, a product, and it goes, you know what, this could be really crazy. So let's put some guardrails on it. It feels like it's always, this could be a great idea. Let's just see what happens. That's yeah. what seems like it all the time. <laughs> it, <laughs> it's so human nature to do that. Right. When it comes to tech, uh, I heard this phrase, uh, nerd cited which is like you're nearsighted, but for oh. the exciting part of technology, right? So, oh, look what we can do. Uh, Adobe, you know, Adobe, yeah, right? Adobe Creative, Adobe Acrobat and Photoshop. I think it was them. They came up with this cool system where you could um, essentially train an AI on a celebrity's voice. And then you could type in words and it would come out sounding like Tom Cruise. Yeah. 
or Bette Midler. Right. And like, this is going to save us millions in Hollywood because we don't have to bring Bette Midler back on stage to do this thing. We can just fix a couple words that we didn't catch. Um, so, oh, this is exciting. So they're all excited about the nearsighted <laughs> opportunity. And what they don't realize is, oh, that means you can edit the president's speech to say something that he didn't. Yes. And that this can be used for propaganda politically to destabilize an entire government. And in right. fact, that's what's happening with that's, fake yeah. Deep fakes. I watched a whole special about this. It was one of the scariest things. I thought this is this is going way too far for humans. Like you can't. How do you get this back on track? I mean, it's when you start creating something that is indistinguishable from reality. What do you do with that? Like it's dangerous. And, and like you said, it's hard to be proactive because I think a lot of people get excited. Yeah. either about the opportunity they think from their rose tinted glasses yeah. about the opportunity to fleece people. And then, yeah. they, you know, they, what did they say? Um, the, the, the game between black hats and white hats, you know, cowboys, yeah. black hats are the bad guys. The black hats are always two steps ahead. So it's the, the sheriff has to play catch up all the time. Man, this is crazy stuff. Honestly, yeah. it's like feels crazier all the time too. Yeah. Yeah. It's this whole thing, just because you can do it, should you? Mm-hmm. Well, maybe you should, but like, think about the different scenarios of the pain yeah. that it could cause. I mean, I don't know. I always think about stuff that way. But yeah. and then when mon- money gets involved, it kind of like money to me is kind of like when you're in love. If you get a lot of it, like it, it like basically disarms your prefrontal cortex. It feels like and you just don't make rational decisions anymore, you know? So true. So true. So when I work with brands and companies, I'm working with people. That's right. Real people. And they have good things that they want to do in the world and they want to see themselves as good people. And, uh, and, and they want to, let's say, sell um, washing machines. Yeah. And so they know everyone's going to TikTok. And so let's do some advertisements on TikTok and they don't necessarily do all the due diligence to figure out that TikTok is Chinese surveillance. Right, exactly. In fact, the State <laughs> Department said TikTok shouldn't be available to people anymore because right. they, they skim all of your uh, passwords. They skim your facial recognition. And it's, it's, it's documented, yeah. but these good people trying to do good, trying yeah. to keep job and and put their kids through school or whatever it is uh you know turn a little bit of a blind eye to that yeah it's tough it is tough i mean Um, how do you have that do you have that conversation with them like hey you know what this really is and then they often go does do they say it doesn't matter it's it's a great resource for i i have not had to have that particular Mm -hmm. conversation a lot yet because i i work more on the brand building side than the, right. the media buying side. And so the media people really are the ones who should be saying, mm-hmm. no, we shouldn't actually support Chinese surveillance software. Yeah. Um, but uh, but it does come up here and there. And I I I want to be a good person or I want to see myself. Yeah. So I, I do try and bring it up when I can. It's funny. I think we all want to be good people, but it's like these things get involved in our lives that 
pull us towards weird decision making things, mm -hmm. often monetary gain. You know, it is or it is often monetary <laughs> or, or it's good. I want to be a healthy person, but I love sugar. Right, you know, <laughs> it's or fame. Like more people now, they just want to be. They just want to be famous. They want to. They want to optimize the internet for like social validity. Yeah. It's a, it's a strange world, man. <laughs> but I get, I get people's behavior with it. I understand much like yourself. I've studied this over. I under, I totally get it. I understand. This is a very difficult overriding to override. The mechanism is very difficult. It's Correct. very difficult to do. Okay. I get it. You know? Yeah. So we, we often have to put in place all kinds of tricks and then all kinds of social guardrails. Right. Protect ourselves from ourselves. From ourselves. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love that. Ethan, this is like, this is incredible stuff. I love the way you present information. It just feels fun. Like you said, I think it goes towards what you said, humorous, fun. And I think that's, when you talk about science, we're in a weird time with science. Yep. People are very shaky here and there about it. But often says science has a communication issue. As someone who is very into science, I like to talk to scientists. Be like, you guys realize like there's a problem here. <laughs> like, yes. First step is admitting it's a problem. <laughs> like, <laughs> That's, uh, you know, thank, uh, thank goodness for Bill Nye and right. Bill Tyson and those folks who, who get it and say, yeah. you know, most people don't want to talk about discriminant analysis. No. And <laughs> I'm not going to talk about post hoc analysis. Right. <laughs> no, it's it, there's a lot of good that's being done, and so yeah. I, and that's the other piece of it. Is for all of these these predatory lenders or uh, yeah. uh, surveillance capitalists um, and and snake oil salesmen who are still yeah. there. They're good people trying yeah. to do good, trying to make things better. Sometimes there's terrible unintended consequences. Right. Nerd sighted. <laughs> Never heard that term before. <laughs> Nerd, I love it. Such a great term. So now when I when I hear about these optimists saying, oh, we created a new technology that blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Like, oh boy, they're pretty nerd sighted. <laughs> pretty nerd sighted. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Well, Ethan, it's been a pleasure. Please tell everyone how they could connect with you and uh, all the work that you're doing. Sure. I am available all over the interwebs. I tweet a fair bit under EH Decker. I'm on LinkedIn. I post articles and things there uh, and like a almost weekly chart with a little brand science, a little 